Feel like the everyday chaos is getting to be too much? Head on over to winninggym.com slash BAP and we can help you there. Join our eight-week ProFit Business Accelerator program for quick wins for your gym. Check it out. You deserve it. Now back to the show. You are listening to the Built to Grow podcast. All right. Welcome back to the Built to Grow podcast. I'm your host, Tim Lyons, joined on a special Zoom episode by Randy Angston. What's up, man? Good. And one of our most favoritest guests of all time, Shauna, the tax goddess, here to drop bombs. How are you? Fantastic. It's the beginning of tax season. How could I be anything else? (laughs) Exactly. How could you be anything else? Uh, we are doing, we're doing, it is a Friday as we're recording this. We're doing a little special uh, whiskey slash tequila episode, which is nice. So Deshaun doesn't like the whiskey like we do, but uh, she's got her tequila in hand. I see Absolutely. it. Cheers. I gentlemen. see it. There we go. Also, everybody, we do record these uh, videos, right? So we have a YouTube channel. There's a hundred of you there and maybe 150. I don't know. I haven't looked lately. But uh, if you want to uh, watch along on YouTube, Built to Grow Podcast is our, I guess, handle over there. But um, let's get right into it, guys. We 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 brought Shauna back today because it's January, because there's a lot of things that need to be discussed at the beginning of the year. By the time you know you're into tax season, at the, or even at the year end, you sometimes it's a little too late to to kind of run strategies. And so um, I'm going to give a little background on Shauna. If you've been listening to us for any point of time, we bring her up all the time in our shows. And, and she's just such a blessing to uh, me personally, but but the a lot of the clients that we've sent to her have, have just, you know, obviously saved money. If we're talking about what she does best, it's saved money. Um, she's a CPA, but she's also a tax strategist, which is really cool because um, I don't know if I've told the story enough, but originally when I was looking for a CPA, I just said, I just wanted somebody that was going to look out for us, look out for the business and keeping the money. Cause there's nothing she knows uh, that I hate more than to write checks to the IRS. Um, so what Shauna really does is she takes a deep dive into your business. She looks at your financials. She looks at your, your tax strategies, how your businesses are set up to begin with. Um, and depending on what program you run with her, she could just do your books, do your CPA work, or what I recommend in the best thing that I've ever seen uh, is the tax strategy. She's She knows the tax code, like the back of her hand, all the strategies, depending on where you're at in life, where what kind of money you're making. Do you have kids? Do you have multiple businesses? Do you have real estate? She looks at the whole gamut and says, if you do these things, we will save you X. And that to me was the biggest thing that struck me in the beginning when I was looking for somebody is like, who knows who's going to, you hear about all these wealthy people doing tax shelters and tax strategies to mitigate risk or mitigate tax, uh, I guess, liability. And who is this person? Does this person exist? Cause the CPM using is just plugging numbers and give, tells me how much I owe every month or every year. And I hated it. So we found Shauna, over 12 years now, we've been working together. And uh, I mean, I I know we're closing in on a million dollars of savings of, of what I haven't had to write the IRS at this point. Uh, but anyways, long, the, the long-winded intro, Shauna, welcome. Thank you so much. It was a fantastic intro. What else could I say? I love saving people money. And I'm very pleased about the almost million dollars that we're at next year. We're on it. <laughs> yeah. 
Yes. Oh, I can't wait till we get into the real estate project. Cause then it's like, I mean, it's everything to us. So, so the reason um, we have Sean on the show, she works with a lot of businesses, but she, she works with a lot of our gyms and she knows the gym business inside and out. Not, not only from working with me, but from working with all the gyms that we, we send her way. And she's got some really cool tricks and strategies and things. But the first thing I really want to talk about, because this isn't talked about ever, I don't think, is is the structure of your organization, whether you set it up as an LLC, an S-Corp, C-Corp. I don't know how many corps there are, but all the corps. Uh, Let's get into that. How do we know if we're set up correctly in, in the caveat is set up correctly to save ourselves the most money or keep the most money in our pocket? Uh, and how, you know, how, what do we do Absolutely. here? What are we looking at? Well, you know, where we really see the most people get confused is the difference between the legal side and the tax side, because they're not always the same thing. So when you're a tax CPA says, well, how do you file? Often we get the answer, well, I'm an LLC. Okay, that's great. That's not the tax answer. That's the legal answer. So if we start from the baseline, right, legal entities, you have your very common ones in Inc., an incorporated entity, maybe a PC, a professional corporation. LLC is the most common version at this point across the entire U.S. uh, based on flexibility, ease of formation, very low costs. So LLC is one of the easiest ones and the most choosed option from a legal end. You have about a million others. So literally, when you're talking about other types of corps, there's LLP, LLLP, LLLC, family limited partnerships, PLLC, you name it, pick a bunch of letters, throw them all in one thing, you're going to have a legal option. Okay. So the the good thing for me, because I'm the tax options, right, is there's actually only very few tax options. So you can either be a C corporation, an S corporation, a partnership of some kind, there's lots of types of partnerships, but a partnership of some kind or a sole proprietorship. Those are really the four choices when it comes to the tax end. So you're saying you could be an LLC taxed as an S corp. Or an LLC taxed as a sole proprietorship or an LLC taxed as a partnership, right? And that's one of the best parts and why most people choose an LLC is that throughout time, Right. So you may start your business as one tax structure. So you're still an LLC, but you might start as one tax structure and then shift into a different one and then shift into a different one. So the LLCs provide the most flexibility when it comes to the tax world. Yeah. Nice. Okay. So then that leads me to my next question. Right. Most business owners have no idea what we just said right there. I, (laughs) I have never once heard that you could file tax strategy or taxes one direction while your business legally maintains another status. I don't super cool. Super. Well, that, well, what's nice about that. Well, first off, what's nice is Shauna knows, but the other thing is she, she's going to say this year and next year, you need to be tax, be returning your taxes as a C core, S core partnership, whatever. While your LLC stays the same. Just before we get into that, the the one thing that I want to point about, Shauna, in your position as a strategist, right? You touched on it, Tim, right? Your CPA, your bookkeeper, your account, they're all on your team, but none of them are playing offense. And so Shauna as a strategist is the offensive side on your 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 tax, you know, team, your your financial team. And so that understand that because 
that was a big thing when you, when you came into my life, you know, through Tim and stuff like that, I didn't understand the difference or the advantage of having, or the fact that this position even exists. And so that was, that I, I think is a huge piece to add to the coin because it's not like replacing your CPA necessarily, right? Like while you have that on your team, that is not necessarily what we're talking about when it comes to strategy. Two completely different roles. Yeah, and you're exactly. absolutely correct because generally the CPAs, the bookkeepers, right? They record history. This yep. is what you did, right? And that's where that offensive piece comes in. Well, when you go to your CPA and say, well, what type of entity should I be? Generally, they'll say, I'm not an attorney. Let's go talk to the attorney, which is fine. And that's okay. But then the attorney tends to turn around and say, well, tax person. So how should it be taxed? Because it's the legal and the tax, right? So you're absolutely correct. Mm -hmm. If you've got somebody on the team that is doing the strategy, that strategy level, we're actually looking at not only tax and CPA, but also insurance, real estate, you know, financial advice, all the different areas that go into the overarching plan for any particular client. So yeah, this discussion of legal versus tax is one little tiny piece of a much bigger picture when we're looking at any specific client. And more specifically, Tim, to your point, looking at, well, what are you trying to do in the first place before we even set up an entity? Because side note for anybody listening, please do not just automatically go out and get an LLC because you heard it on today's podcast. Stop, stop, do not do that, okay? Because each type of entity has its pros and its cons, right? If the IRS gives you something good, they also give you something bad. It always happens in a duality. So for certain types of situations, an ink taxed as a C-corp might be better than an LLC taxed as a partnership. But if you're not getting the right advice, you're never going to know that. And so let's give them some advice. (laughs) Okay. That's what we're here for. So what, you know, what's the line in the sand? Let's just assume most are LLCs. You said it's the number one, right? On the legal side. So like, what's the line in the sand that says, Hey, you know, this year we should file as an S corp or a C corp or whatever other corps. So I'm going to give you the line in the sand and then we're going to back up about 10 steps ahead of the line in the sand. Okay. So the line in the sand is generally a profit of $50,000. So let's make sure we we all have the same definition of profit. So you have gross income, which is how much you've brought in. Everything, every single dollar that you brought in, no Al Capone stuff. We're not hiding cash in some drawer somewhere. Okay. Every single dollar that you brought in. Then you have your expenses, which might be broken down into cost of goods sold. So for a lot of the gyms, that's going to be your employees, right? Without your employees, you can't offer your services. Okay. So cost of goods sold. Then you're going to have overhead like rent and insurance, cleaning supplies, right? Overhead that goes into the business. After all of your expenses, the very bottom line is what's called net profit. So typically the break-even point for net profit is $50,000. And that's generally when you would move from an LLC taxed as a schedule C, C as in cat, to an LLC taxed as an 1120S or an S corporation, okay? Now, the reason why I'm saying that's that's the line, we got to back up 10 steps here, right? Okay. If you're looking at that line and you have a bookkeeper and a CPA and they're recording history, right? You might get to 50,000, but the instant you start working with a tax strategist, we might find another 10 strategies to get your profit back down to 5,000 
you may not need to switch to an S-Corp until after all your strategies have been implemented and then you're hitting 50,000. So 50,000 taxable. Yeah, net profit, bottom line. And you bring up a very good point, depreciation. Well, 50,000 net, well, 50,000 net profit prior to prior tax to strategy. Tax then after that, down to five, it could you go have to, another $45,000 before you need to go switch your entity taxation type. Yeah. 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 Got it. And Got that it. also, I mean, where, where I thought you were going, because you're just so darn smart, Mr. Tim, um, is depreciation. Thanks. You know, for a lot of our gym owners, they go and buy a ton of equipment, right? Or like a certain somebody, they're buying a building, right? There's hundreds hey, of thousands of dollars in depreciation that will take that net profit and bring that down as well. So in negative, negative. negative, right? So, so here's the, gosh, this is the, the rub. Here's the rub on, uh, and we, you know what? I was going back to a past episode where we were talking about owner benefit, mm-hmm. Randy, when we were looking for some clips and stuff. Um, the rub is this. Normally, you'd want, from a taxable standpoint, you want to show as little profit as possible. You want to write off as much as possible depreciation and all these strategies to even show a loss. Because if you show a loss, depending on what you did the year before, you could be getting a refund, technically. Um, but if you're trying to sell your business or if you're going for financing, you can't show a loss. You, can't, you have to show the highest amount of profit. And so now that you're playing this yin and yang game where I'm going for financing, so I got to show this huge profit, but now I got to owe the IRS $200,000 because I'm showing this massive profit. Now you're, you're like stuck in the middle. Imagine having to make that decision or, you know, kind of cross that road that when, you know, when it comes type of thing, because obviously early in business, when you're not growing and looking for capital and and that type of thing, typically, right. That's when you're trying to minimize your your liability. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when things become real and those options become hit the table, imagine doing it without something on offense, helping you do that. Like if you were the business owner trying to figure out at what point do I put put everything, you know, do I start paying a a larger burden to show higher profit, to show potential, you know, investors or, you know, um, debtors or whoever that you're capable of paying loans, you know, like having this, member of the team is invaluable. Shauna, like I yep. rave about what you bring to the table. And I mean, hands down <laughs> because it, because ultimately like at the core of what we do, business is about turning a profit. And if you can like the foundations of like, we talk about all the time, if you're not in business to make money, I'm going like to modify if, that just, just slightly. Sure, Absolutely. Yeah. Make profit. I want to keep okay. Profit. Keep, thank you. Making yes, profit even, even great. better. I want to keep the profit. Even and better. You, you are 1000% correct. This is why we start with the end goal in mind. Remember, yes. I just said, do not run out, go set up an LLC and go do this thing. Because if you tell me, Shauna, I'm going to build this business to sell, the types of strategies we're going to use are completely different than somebody that says, listen, I'm 25, I'm building this business to be a cash cow. I want to take my money out. I'm going to, I'm going to grow it. I'm going to build it. Right. But I'm going to take every benefit that I can for me, for my family. And I'm going to take that money that I would have paid to the government and go buy real estate or go buy crypto or go do whatever I'm going to do with it. It's a very different strategy. Very. Yeah. Different. So you really have to be looking at anytime you're talking about strategy, who are you talking to? 
Are they 65 and ready to retire or are they 25 and they've got 40 years of cash flow? Give me the money. Give me the cash flow. Totally different strategy. Hey guys, as you know, at Built to Grow, we're all about systems and scalability. And that's why I want to tell you about one of our sponsors, Semi-Private Pro. Several years ago, I was in our gym looking around and I noticed our coaches were staring at their clipboards, struggling to stay one step ahead of the clients. And I thought, gosh, there has to be a better way. So I tasked Zach, our fitness director, and I said, dude, we got to find a software that would enhance our clients' training experience and increase our coaches' levels of engagement. See, we're all about client experience here. After countless demos, we realized there was literally nothing designed for our training model. So we set on a mission and I said, look, we got to create an app that is designed specifically for semi-private training. And I can tell you guys this firsthand, this is taking our training to new heights and I'm confident it can do the same thing for you. See, with Semi-Private Pro, you can streamline your training system, enhance client engagement and scale like never before without spending hours on programming. To learn more about how you can get started with Semi-Private Pro, head on over to special link here, semiprivatepro.com slash BTG, that's built to grow. So just head on over real quick to semiprivatepro.com slash BTG to check out a demo for yourself. Yes, yes, yes. And that's the thing. Yes, that's why each individual strategy with you is different. Ours has changed over the years. Um, you know, you know, like where I was going, where we're going now and all this stuff. Um, let's talk about uh, let's talk about leasing versus owning the real estate. So everybody's, you know, that we talk to is a brick and mortar, right? You've got to be in a physical location. You know, a lot of them have online components. In fact, there's probably some a lot of online trainers now uh, listening to the show. But you know, you know, when we first opened in 2009, that was a pipe dream. There's no way that a brand new startup business with zero cash flow is ever going to qualify for a loan to purchase real estate. But 12 years or 10 years into it, you start looking at how much you've spent on lease. You're paying somebody else's mortgage and it just yeah. stakes through the heart. You and, know? and it's, <laughs> And it, it was so painful and I do look at it every so often, just I'll pull it up like globally, like, you know, historically, to just to see like, man, that's just turning the knife. Just that's it, right? it, it, it motivates, it motivates, it motivates and, and it <clears throat> keeps me focused on what, what I'm doing is the right thing. Uh, but yes, it's painful, but there's a lot of gym owners out there that like, Hey, uh, eventually I'd like to own the real estate. I'm paying lease, but what, what are your thoughts there? And what are the tax benefits from owning the property Absolutely. versus leasing it? So <laughs> I'm smiling because again, every, everything in my world, everything, the answer is it depends. It depends. Okay. So let's okay. start there. So if you are single, my answer is going to be different than if you're married. Okay. And I'll, I'll explain the reasoning why here in a second. So let me just paint a picture so we're all <laughs> on the same page. <laughs> Speak to us differently. Tell, yeah, us, tell us. People are about to get married, about to get divorced. I don't know which way this is going to go. Um, okay. So if you're, it, it, let's paint a picture. Your business is doing well, right? Uh, you're taking home $150,000 a year, right? You and, and the cash you're taking out and the profit from the business, $150,000 a year. Okay. Uh, you've looked at the building, right? Because real estate is all about the deal. It's all about the purchase. Okay. Um, if you're a single, if, you, if you're the only person in the building, if you can get a multi-tenant where it's your building, but other people are going to pay your mortgage, right? You've got six other tenants and they're going to pay your mortgage. Totally different discussion. Okay. But it's just you, you want to buy your building. You're the only person that's going to be in it. Okay. 
If you are a full-time operator in your gym business, you are not going to qualify for something called the real estate professional status. Okay. So just keep that in the back of your mind. All right. What the real estate professional status does for you for tax purposes is that if you have depreciation and losses from improvements or repairs or anything you're doing to the building, you can deduct all of those losses, all of them. If you have $100,000 against your regular income, you can deduct it. Your net income is going to be zero. But if you don't qualify as a real estate professional, the maximum you can get is $25,000. So this is where yet right that face exactly. So this is where it comes into yeah. are you married or are you single? Because if you're married, if you're a full-time operator, but your spouse could qualify as a real estate professional, now you have literally the perfect combination. I have not in my 25 years now of doing taxes, I have not come across a better combination than this one. You've got one spouse as a real estate professional, the other spouse is making the money doing the W2 having the business, whatever they're doing, okay? That combination means you will never pay another penny of tax ever again in your entire life. Mm. Yes. And even better- Dating pool just changed. (laughs) Total different dating pool. (laughs) And, okay, uh, the other really cool thing about this is lenders, because Tim, where I think your brain was kind of going here is like, well, if I show no money, if I show no profit and I never make any money, nobody's going to lend to me. Lenders have been lending to real estate professionals forever. They understand, even even with with losses, losses. they understand that depreciation, one of the largest expenses, I'm doing air quotes for anybody that can't see me, expenses on the tax return is not actual cash. That's not money actually going somewhere. It is a tax write-off only. So lenders will add back depreciation. They'll add back certain costs. So your profit still looks high, even though your tax return is showing a loss. So the lenders know the game in the real estate and they're not so scared about these huge, uh, you know, deductions and things and such. It's a big nod for real estate in its own. Yes. Right? It's not just the appreciation. Oh, real estate's ridiculous. The more I've looked at looked at it, I mean, this has been on the radar for five years. I just wasn't there yet. Here, it's it's time. Um, what the hell was I going with that? It's exciting. It's it's. Uh, so, what, what about somebody that's dating somebody? They have to be legally married. married. Sorry, guys. Now, what I have had happen. Maybe, maybe well, just on paper. On paper. Lots just, of ways to accomplish hey. things like this. Okay. There, there's <laughs> something that. else you brought up though that I want to go back to. Okay. Which is, you know, listen. As a business owner, my job, my job as a strategist, is to get you to pay the bare legal minimum in tax. Right. The smallest humanly possible. Right. And I get it. You're trying to buy a building. The lenders do not, unfortunately, do not understand the tax strategy machinations that we do here, okay? So it's just, they're not caught up with it yet. Real estate's been going on for thousands of years, right? Tax strategy, the last 200 that the IRS has been around, okay? So they're not all that fresh on it, okay? But- Selectively, I'm sure. (laughs) You just gotta find the right person, which is a whole other issue. Um, But what I have seen some clients do, whether they're about to exit the business, where they want to buy a property is that for two or three years, as you're saying, they basically stop doing any kind of tax strategy. Their income goes up, right? They pay the tax on the money. After they buy the building, they go back and amend their tax returns because you can actually go backwards up to three years and amend tax returns when you found a mistake. 
I filed my tax returns yeah. and oh, kind oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. I completely forgot about this hundred thousand dollars worth of expenses. I'm going to amend my return, right? And now there is a Beautiful. limit, right? You really don't want to piss off the IRS. They're the wrong person to have on the wrong side of that argument. Um, but right, in right. some cases, you know, th- these are the types of strategies that you should, you, the listener should be having conversations with, with either your lender, your CPA, your tax strategist, like the people on your team. These are options, especially if you're trying to buy a building, because it is that dual-edged sword, right? Do I pay the government or do I want a building? Mm-hmm. Right. So. Yeah. But this, what you're saying you is you both. can do both. You can. You got to do it legally. You can do both. So one thing you heard me talk about Al Capone before, right? Tax goddess. I think we yeah. kind of talked about the aggression scale, but you yeah, know, I was say, we, should, we should probably uh, give everybody explain. your, your yes. one, once again, because yeah, that gives it. All right. Tell us about what's the aggression scale. So zero to 10. Okay. Zero meaning the IRS never calls you never ever. Okay. 10 meaning we're all going to jail. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So tax status sits at an eight. All right. We, we might be willing maybe for Tim, we might go to like an eight, five, maybe if he wants to maybe just, yes. Yes. Uh, but yeah, really an eight means we're crossing all the T's dotting all the I's you might get a call from the IRS, but you have all the backup, all the paperwork, anything you could possibly need in order to answer the question. You're doing everything legally. So it's why I say things like, Yes, you can do it. It might just be a level eight or we're not Al Caponing it. We're not doing a level 10. I'm, you seem very nice, but I'm not going to jail for you. It's not happening, right? right. Um, so with all of these things, you, you really want to have kind of an overarching plan, a global plan. And that plan might be one year, three year, five year, 10 year. Where are we trying to go? What are we trying to get to so that we can make those adjustments and make those moves as we're trying to buy a building or whatever it is? Right. Um, here's a personal question, kind of personal. You, you I think businesses uh, and taxes, you, you, you get like you, your fears that not your fears and audit, like, oh my God, they're going to audit us. We can't, you know, have you yes. ever been audited twice? No. Have you ever lost? Not once. Okay. Twice, twice, twice in 25 years. Well, let's, let's, I mean, shit let's, together. let's look good at my shit. Thank you. <laughs> well, I know. Yeah, exactly. What's a, let, I mean, like, let's, let's give you credit where credit's due. The one thing that I love about like Shauna, what you do is unique. Like, you know, we, I think we've drove that home, but not only are you unique, but you're good at being unique. Right. So there's only a number of, of tax strategists in the nation and yeah. you are. I'm in the top three. So, so let's back up. According to Google, there are 660,000 CPAs. Right. Correct. But a CPA can do lots of things. Finance, banking, CFO, tax prep, audit. They could do all sorts of things. Okay. There are 60,000 that have masters in taxation. So I'm one of those people. There are 607 that are certified tax coaches. So CTC, those are the people that what we focus on is tax strategy. And I am ranked in the top yep. three. I'm, I've spoken to the other two. I'm 99% sure I'm number one, but they refuse <laughs> to tell us yes. first. <laughs> so yes, but yeah, I mean, this. Do I need to do, do we need to call some people and get that <laughs> handled? Yes, get um, well, I mean, what, what I can tell you is last year, we actually literally just ran the numbers this morning. Last year, we saved our clients over $523 million, million dollars in tax savings. And our average average ROI was 123.66 times, 123 times what people pay us to do what we do. So it's a win-win. Holy moly. 
right? The, well, the government's losing, Everybody's but you winning. know, you're winning, we're winning, everybody's happy. So no, is that no? The government's okay. losing. The government's not uh, losing. This the government. The, these strategies absolutely. are legal. The senators and congressmen. They're legal. Them, so why they're wouldn't on, you? Yes. And that's the kicker. That's the kicker. Okay. Let's get into some of this the because this is very interesting. Of, ta- of tax strategy. I love that. Yes. Yes. So, so let's, let's go to where, again, we have worldwide listeners. So this is the United States, of course, but the way tax laws come to fruition is through the Senate and the house of Congress, the, yeah. the Congress. And then it gets, it just gets uh, signed into law. Those strategies typically are for the benefit of the people writing the tax, the law. And the nice thing about the United States is if it's a law, it can be used by anybody, but it's written to benefit the folks that are wealthy. Now, what you hear a lot of times, especially during the presidential elections was, you know, your fair share of taxes, your fair share. They, they, you know, Elon Musk and Donald Trump, they don't pay yeah, near enough in taxes ta- you know it's the yeah and, and you hear this and i know what's going on but the general public is like what do you mean they're skating their taxes what are they breaking the law like what why are we even you know us considering these people they no they're not breaking the law exactly. the entire point they do but they're yes. legally yes. writing off or deducting their tax liability. It's legal. And if they can use it, we can use it. Now, I will say this, the people writing the laws typically are very wealthy and they, they've got bigger, bolder strategies to big, you know, especially real estate. That's why real estate is like probably the number one strategy of all of all of it. it a lot of it ties back to, to real estate um, because but that's where all the fun, you know, you have are. to be somewhat, you know, yeah, but that's the, that's the <laughs> kicker. <laughs> That's, I love real estate. So yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. Cause there's so many strategies you can use with it. Right. And so the long and short of it is, is look, these laws exist. You just don't know about them. But guess who does? Shauna knows. And Shauna is going to look at your situation. She, like a tax strategy comes she out. Wrote them. No, I've she wrote them. I've seen the videos. She goes on Facebook live. She's raving. She's like, you know, my friends over here with this type of business, you don't even know what this is doing for you. You guys, like this woman breathes this stuff. Like, like we do fitness, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Like when you go home at night and you're like, oh, damn, that person, you know, the posterior, not, no, she's doing that with tax strategy. Posterior, <laughs> posterior chain activity. When I wake up in the morning, 4.30 in the morning, first thing I do is read the, the IRS email that comes out every single day with the new tax law changes. I'm like, oh, look at that. How fascinating. So like I'm a total deployment. It's beyond, yeah. but like what, you know, people are passionate and like, like I want to, I want to give credit where credit's due. Like it's not only, it's not only that you're good at what you do, but you're going to be good at what you do because you genuinely thoroughly love yes, what sir. you do. Yep. You eat, breathe. Well, I think what's, what's, what's driving you here? Is it, is it, uh, what, like what's, what's driving you to work so I love hard? Educating. And, and little tiny mini backstory here. So uh, my family is German, um, moved from Germany. I'm the first generation to be born outside of Germany. For 800 years, my entire family has been small business, right? So, you know, the, the, well, we had a furniture maker, we had a bakery. I mean, just 
you know, small business, right? Um, and so mm-hmm. growing up here in the US and being able to see there are so many opportunities, right? And so I, I was lucky enough uh, to be able to train at some of the biggest accounting firms in the country, in the globe. I'm ex-KPMG, which is one of the four remaining global accounting firms. Uh, a lot of that knowledge kind of got sucked into my brain. And when I realized, mm-hmm. you know, wait a second, you know, KPMG works for huge companies. Pfizer, Coca-Cola, big, big, big companies, right? But none of the little guys have this stuff. And that's not cool, right? The downsides being redhead, I do have just a little tiny bit of a temper, like, that's not fair. <laughs> Did not sit well with me. Yeah. Um, yep. And uh, I just, I love educating. I love seeing somebody. My favorite story, we were able to help a client pay for her five-year-old son's cancer surgery. She had no money, but we wrote a plan, oh, got the money back, paid for the cancer surgery. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that just, dude, blows my mind. We actually get to help people and and educate people. And it's not, you know, some CTA saying, oh, I got you covered. No, here's the detail. Here's the explanation. You want to go read it? Here's the article. If you want to, if you don't, you ask and we'll take care of it. But um, but yeah, I I love educating. I love helping people. It just makes my day. Educating and helping small business because we we don't, we we really don't. We don't get the fair shake. Usually like, I mean, just take for the the, the, the shutdowns, for example, all the small businesses closed, well, but Home Depot, Walmart, and these big boys. Yeah. yeah. So like, let's be honest, we need somebody on our team well, that's going to be yeah. and, and looking out for us. And, the fact that small business doesn't have the, uh, the pockets collectively to throw lobbyists in Washington yeah. to have laws written in our favor. So- Oh, darn, we use the laws that the big boys got and we just apply it to us. How terrible. You know, you just got to know to do it. Well, here's a a question that's probably swirling around a lot of these listeners' minds is like, oh my gosh, this real estate, that sounds like it's a lot of money, blah, blah, blah. What, uh, you know, like what, what's kind of like the lot, I don't know, like keep using line in the sand, but like, what's the limit? And you know, like where somebody would benefit from working with you, how much gross revenue should they be Uh, making? Gross is really hard for me to answer. Right. Thank you. Okay. Net, just, net. just making sure we're on the same page because gross, you can be making 6 million gross and only taking home a hundred thousand. Right. So um, yeah, sure. I would say net profit really 80 to a hundred is like minimum, minimum. Uh, the cool thing about 80 to hundred is we can wipe out your tax bill completely. Like you'll never pay another penny ever. Nice. Right? Um, most people that call us tend to be 250 to 500. And then we get some that are much, much, much bigger, 23 million plus. So there is really a very broad range and different strategies apply to different levels. So the strategies I might use for the 23 million plus net take-home guy is not the same as the strategies I'm going to use for 80,000 because one, you don't need that level eight aggression. You could wipe all your tax bill out with a level three aggression. You just don't need those strategies, right? So uh, anyway, yeah, lots of range there. So I'm I'm just kind of doing some math. Um, In our kind of world of fitness, if you're not looking at the strategies and stuff, you're looking at, you know, 12 to 25% net profit margin about is kind of like average. So if you're doing 400,000 and you're 25% is a hundred grand, you'd be a good fit. Probably 300,000 gross with a 25% beyond the limit. It'd be right there about 70 foot something. So, okay. Just kind of give you guys an idea of like, okay, if I don't feel like, you know, you here's, here's what's cool. And I don't know if we should talk about this or not. Just shut me up if I'm over like how you, how you structure your tax strategy payments. Like from what I remember, you do an audit 
I, I think that's free. Maybe it's, it's free. paid it's now. Free. I'm not sure. If I can't help you, why would I free. trust you? Yeah. Awesome. So they get with you, they do a, you do an audit, maybe send you some of the PLs from the last couple of years. You kind of dig in and understand the history. You say, okay, based on what I know I can do, I can save yep. you a hundred grand. And my fee to do that is less yes. than a hundred grand, right? It's a percentage, yeah. percentage of Absolutely. that. Yeah. Right? So, is that about so right? Normally, let, let's do it this way. Three times ROI is basically my baseline, right? So if I can save you a hundred thousand, it might cost you 30, but it probably won't. <laughs> I'll t- I'll t- probably won't. Okay. Um, but it really, honestly, it just comes down to what is your situation and how complex does this really have to be? Because in some cases, I have literally looked at some returns within the first five minutes of looking at the return. I'm like, oh my God, what did your previous CPA do? Like we can do this, 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 this. It, and right. And just wipes, wipes it, out. it out. So if we only have to implement three strategies, your fee may be $15,000, $20,000. If we have to implement 20 strategies, yeah, it's going to be a little more expensive. So. Mm. Okay. Hey, Tim Lance here. And I just want to give a quick shout out to everyone out there surviving the day-to-day chaos of the fitness business. You know, you're showing up every day and you got people counting on you. I know it's not easy, but you're doing it. So keep on going. But listen, if you feel like it's getting to be too much and you wanted to get some support so you can get out of the struggle and get into real growth, then I highly recommend that you check out our eight-week ProFit Business Accelerator program at winninggym.com slash grow. Go check it out, sign up, and let's get you on track for some easy wins and get back to growth mode. All right, once again, the link is winninggym.com slash grow. And now back to the show. So from a, this is what, where I think I told you this on a call, me and you, like this from a gym owner's brain that understands logic, you're telling me I'm going to have to write a check to the IRS for a hundred grand, or I can write one to you for 30 and I don't owe the seven. I keep the 70. Absolutely. Like why, why wouldn't a gym do this or any business? Why wouldn't you do it? Right. The, o- the only reason that you, people have not done this is because they don't believe that it's true. That is possible. Yeah, exactly. They right? just don't believe it's true. Yep. I've had my CPA for 30 years. And if he knew how to do this stuff, you know, he would have told me, okay, I'm a specialist. I get it. Right. Like he did not know. Yeah. Uh, but you know, and, and that's always for us. That's why we offer a money back guarantee. If you, if you do what I tell Ooh. you to do, you have to do it. Right. If you don't do it, I can't help you. You have to do what I tell you to do. Sure. But if you do what I tell you to do, and you don't save at least as much as you paid us, we will physically write you a check for the difference. It's never happened ever. Not once because, you know, 123 times ROI, but yeah, I mean, that's, we have that there for a reason because a lot of people just don't, well, why didn't my CPA tell me about this? That that's very common. That's very common. I could see that, especially if they have a relationship with the CPA and the CPA is trying to give them life advice every once in a while, dripping it in your daughter or this, and we can get it, you know, the college thing figured out. And so you kind of like have that trust level with them and you would think they're looking out for you. You would think think, you would hope. Generally, I think that the, the, the belief is that that person is looking at your business, understands your business, and uh, to some degree is only playing those cards. You know what I mean? I think most business owners believe Shauna's position is what a CPA is supposed to be doing. And, and that's why I really not. wanted to drive that's, home the point yeah. that like, this is literally like having a quarterback that's not on your team. And you're trying to figure out why you're not scoring touchdowns. Like, 
you don't have a full offense. You have the, I mean, literally like just the players on the team that are moving forward with your direction, but no, or coach, I guess a coach is literally the best. There's no, that's why I call it strategic, you know? Yeah. I mean, and, and we do tell people, you know, listen, I'm thrilled that you've got your relationship with your CPA for 30 years. I mean, yes, we do CPA services. If you want to keep your 30 year dude, keep your 30 year dude. It's not, not my place to try to get in the way of a relationship. Right. But, but I also don't want to throw CPAs under the bus. There are only 607 of us in the entire of 660,000 that are trained to do what I do. So the likelihood that your CPA is trained to do what I do is nil, basically, right? So, you yeah. know, CPA well, yes. just 1%. You CPAs are trying to help their clients. Absolutely. Absolutely. They are trying yeah. to do the yeah. best job they can for yeah. their clients. But if they don't know, they don't know. It's, it's not their and, fault that they didn't yeah. train for that. And, and tell me if I'm wrong, but th- their role and responsibility is not to go study. No, it's to keep you out of an audit. Exactly. That's their it's, job is to file it properly. It's to make sure what the information that you've given them or that they have from you yeah. is in a, alignment with what they believe, you know, they're comfortable putting their signature on pretty exactly. much. Exactly. Yeah. And then they, they put it into a software. It spits out the, what you owe. Yeah. And there you go. You owe that. And, and Sean is over here like, oh yeah, that's where exactly. we start. That's the, that's the most you'll owe if we don't do anything. <laughs> well, and Tim, you know, yeah. this goes backwards to what you were saying. This is why we're having this conversation now in January, because what ends up happening for, for 2022, let me be really clear. If you call my office right now, you call tax goddess right now, January 28th, and you say, oh my God, 2021, I made all this money. What do I do? We're going to do the best we can, but the year's over done. But can't you do an amended return strategy? So you had to actually implement the strategy. And that's, you know, that's most people, you know, you don't even think about taxes until it gets to March or April. And you're like, Oh, okay. I just got to file my taxes. Right. But if you don't implement the strategies before the end of the year, what you did is what you did. Now we're recording history. There's nothing we can change. So really, you know, us talking here in January for all of the listeners, this is about 2022. You guys yeah. are going to kick ass. You're going to rock it. Okay, let's make sure we get these strategies starting to get into place now so that by the time it gets to November or December, you're looking back going, yeah, I've, heard, I've done this. I've done this. I've done this. Great. My tax bill is going to be this big when we actually go to file. Or you get money but, uh, yeah, back. Yeah, money back. Hopefully, baby. you never paid any money in in the first place because I'd like you to actually have your cash flow, right? I mean, that's one of the huge things yeah. about doing tax strategy. You may not have to pay quarterly estimates. You may not have to send any withholding to the federal government. So you actually get your money. You want to hear a funny story? You want to hear a funny story? Uh, For years, your team has been sending me these (laughs) estimates. For years, you owe $28,722 for quarter one or whatever. You owe $47,612 for quarter two. And I'm like, I'm not paying any of this ever. I'm not paying it. I know you're sending it to me, but I just throw it in the garbage and don't look at it. Cause I know when the, when it all shakes out, I'm not paying it. So why give it to them? Just let me keep it for now. I never have paid an estimate that your team has sent me. Cause I'd never have to, but that's your job. You know, you're doing your thing. Your team's like, fine. I'm recording your history. This is what you have. Here's how much you owe versus the strategy side, which is stop. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yep. All right. And so that's a funny story, <laughs> I think. Anyway. Truth is a true story. Uh, <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> it is a true story. Oh, Lordy, Lordy. Um, we talked about, okay. So the real estate obviously is great. So some of our clients have kids. Um, they're not leveraging one of the strategies that you yes. use all the time and we're using it. And uh, what, and give me like, so for example, I have one daughter, she's nine. She's 10. Well, no, she's yeah. 10. She just turned 10. Sorry. Sorry, Alexandra. I'm sorry <laughs> about get that. Home to some uh, she is, she does. Oh, she's going to be, she's so an good. avid listener to the show. She's an avid <laughs> listener. She's going to call me out on that. I better, t- she's an avid listener <laughs> taking notes. She's taking notes. Um, you know, she's, she's uh, 10 years old, but when I met you, obviously didn't have a kid. And then she was one and two and three. And you're like, when she gets to be seven years old, we can run this yes. play. What's the play? So, one of my favorite tax deductions. Now the rate just increased for this year, right? So I think we're now up to like 18,950 that you can pay a child. Super cool. Yeah. So there's really two different kinds of parents in the world. I mean, there's lots of different parents, but two main theories and camps here. Okay. You get one set of parents that are like, I want to set up my child for the future. I want to set them up, you know, not hand them money, but train them, teach them, teach them how to make money, how to pay attention to finances, these kinds of things. Right. And then you get the other set of parents that is when I die, they'll get whatever's left. Right. So two very different camps. Okay. Um, with most entrepreneurs, with most business owners, they, they learned the hard way. They didn't have a parent to teach them how to look at money and how to deal with these things. Right. So especially with my business owners, the, the rule here is, is that once a child hits the age of seven, right. So that's where the seven comes in. You are allowed to pay them whatever you want to pay them. Okay. So you could pay them a hundred thousand dollars a year if you wanted to, but the first this year, 2022, the first 18,950 is 100% tax-free. Yeah. So I'll use one of my favorite examples and your daughter's adorable, but I got a client with 10 children, 10 of them at the moment, seven of them are in the sweet zone between seven and 18, right? So this is the the sweet zone where there's no taxes on anything. Okay. So they're paying seven children $18,950 $18,950 this year, right? So now I got to get my calculator. Hold on. 18, $18,950 that will not be taxable to the entire family. No one. Super cool. Beautiful. Goes to the, goes to, goes to the goes family. To the kid, right. Technically it's the kid's money, right? But what most parents do is they take $6,000 and go fund either a Roth or a traditional IRA. Okay, so set the kid up for retirement, teach them about investing with their own money. Okay, the rest of that money can be used to pay for anything that is not the three parental duties. So not food, clothing, or shelter, anything else, camps, iPad, music lessons, nannies, horse lessons. Horse lessons. <laughs> you need to be paying her hundred grand if it's horse lessons. Right? <laughs> Buying, buying a horse. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So the rest of the money can either be, you know, put into a savings account and grown. And st- I mean, right now, today, the stock market's tanking. So go buy some CDX and JP Morgan and Apple, right? And have her sit on it until whenever. <laughs> um, but, you know, some parents, you can use that money for anything, not the three parental duties. So food, clothing, shelter, you cannot charge your child rent for yep. living in your house. The IRS did not approve that. Okay. Right. But anything else you can spend that money on. So with that being said, especially if the money's going into like a Roth IRA or traditional IRA, when the child now gets to college, if they go to college, they can use their own money to pay for college, right? 
Or at that point, you might even be able to set up a tuition reimbursement program through your company and pay for at least $5,000 plus of their tuition through your company as another expense. Super cool. Beautiful. So I I heard you say the $6,000 or go invest that money on their behalf. What about like whole life insurance? That's something that we do. My favorite. What do you, what do you so think? Good. <laughs> I've learned so well. I'm so proud. Man. Um, uh-huh. Yes, absolutely. Really, it's so well, good. Like, this makes sense. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, basically, when we're talking, okay, now let me preface this. You, part of your listeners, I can promise you, Tim, heard the word insurance and went, oh, hell no. Excuse me. <laughs> like, uh uh-uh. uh, no, 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 we're not doing insurance. I don't like insurance. Insurance is slimy. I don't like it. Okay. Insurance. You I also okay. hate insurance. That Insur- side of it. Not this, not this kind, though. Not exactly this kind. Traditional insurance. Our, our assumed belief. Yeah. What you're thinking, liability insurance, yep. health insurance, where especially as gym people, right? You guys are so darn healthy. Why am I paying health insurance? Like, you know, this kind of stuff. Health insurance is my biggest pet peeve <laughs> because two... Two things is uh, we, you know, we, we do for the staff and everything here for health insurance, um, but nobody uses it. And I, and, and when we do go to the doctor, most of us don't go to a standard physician. We go to a naturopathic or holistic doctors because they're not covered anyway. The other thing I can't stand is flood insurance in Arizona. I'm in a flood zone. I'm, I'm in it. I'm in, I'm in a flood zone. So I have to have some type of this flood insurance that blows my (laughs) mind. Anyways, those are the insurance I don't like. Go ahead. What are, what's whole life so, though? Life insurance. Really what we're talking about here. So, so let's back up. And this applies not only to the child, but also to the parents. Okay. Um, there comes when you're talking about, normally we look at this stuff for retirement purposes. Okay. Setting yourself up for the future, whether that's your child for college or you for retirement or whatever that is. Okay. So there are different types of insurance policies, flood being an evil one, but uh, whole life insurance tends to be used for retirement. Now, a lot of people are going insurance for retirement. What? Like, how, do, how does that work? So let's talk about it from the two different viewpoints. One is the child and one is the parents. Okay. From a child's perspective, the difference between a child at the age of seven and all of the earnings that are going to be inside that insurance policy until the age of 65, which is when normally somebody retires at the current years, if you start with an insurance policy at the age of seven, a child putting away $100 a month, which is not even the full dollar amount, $100 a month, $1,200 a year, a child can have upwards of $2.5 million by the time you reach 65 for $100 a month. It's, it's insane. I started, I started Alexander when she was one years Beautiful. old, 150 bucks a month. That was easy. That was easy for me to do. Right. The, the idea of, I mean, compounded math over time obviously is like, Fabulous. Yeah. Yeah. The, I would I brought up last, I think the last podcast or coaching call, the compound effect, Darren Hardy wrote a book. He wrote it, it, how you can literally buy a Mercedes with your Starbucks budget. Oh yeah. Oh, I mean, it's, it, it's just, inc- it's incredible, but people, you know, we all just assume the little bit doesn't matter. Well, compounded oh, over so time, it's huge. Mm-hmm. huge. Well, and most importantly, when we talk from my standpoint, from the tax standpoint, When we look at retirement money, normally that stuff is taxable, right? If you put into your 401k, when you pull it out, it's taxable. You put into an IRA, you pull it out, it's taxable, okay? Mm -hmm. Life insurance is not taxable, ever, ever. And at some point you will die, right? I mean, don't we wish we could all be immortal, but you know, at some point you will die if there's money left over, which typically there is, that's also gonna pass on heirs 
which helps you with the estate tax issues as well, not just current tax planning. So, you know, for a child, we get all of that beautiful compounding, right? And they can borrow that money to pay for school, right? So what we see with a lot of people is they let their kids go get student loans, use the government's money, let your money compound for an extra four years while you're in college. And then as soon as the student loans come due, borrow the money from your insurance and pay off the government, right? So there's some really cool games that you can pay. They call it infinite banking, might be another term that your listeners have heard. Uh, it's very similar to this model. With parents, if you're making that $150,000, $200,000 take home every year, you may not be eligible to contribute to a Roth IRA anymore, right? Your income might be too high. This is another way, it's kind of like a backdoor Roth where you can put money into one of these policies, have all of those earnings completely tax-free. So when you get to retirement, you can pull some money out of your 401k plan and some money out of your insurance and play games with the tax rate when you get to retirement. So there's some mind-blowing nice. things that you can do with insurance. Yeah. Hey, do people that are retired um, have yes. to pay taxes? They don't, they don't if, have if an income no anymore? no income at all. Yeah, so taxes are based on how much income you have. So if you have no income yeah. at all, then no, you don't even have to file a tax return, right? What if the what if the income's coming from your investments? Then you would have interest or dividends, maybe some capital gains for stock sales. So you do have to file because that's income. So it's another reason why he's got the handout insurance policies because any gains that are in the insurance policies are in the insurance policy. You're not paying tax on it. Insurance to to your point, you know, like we all traditionally think of just the liability side, like risk, all of that stuff, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's kind of always been a like to Tim's point, like it's just the negative, like as a business owner, oh, yeah. you know, you have it there. We all have Something it. you have it's to pay and never use. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hope, what happened hope. during COVID without, you know, going way off track here. Right. But all the businesses got shut down. Everybody went yeah. to their insurance carrier and said, I've been paying you premiums for how long? And they never got any payout because it was an act of God. Yep. Yeah, anyway. I, exactly. And, 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 Right. I think that most of us have that or will utilize that and stuff. And we all just kind of assume it's a safety net for those what ifs. The other side of it, um, fun, fun fact, I was a personal banker at 21, 20. And so I was introduced to this side of insurance because of the investment opportunities. It's planning. So, this is planning. So to, much to your, your, your point, but, I mean, I've, I've known the benefit of some of the, the life side yeah. Uh, but never, I mean, even to, my, to, you know, my own personal stance, I was, it was always something that was kind of, um, I don't want to say taboo, but like unknown, like it was never clear and understood. Like, yeah. you know, like, um, I can't remember who I used to work with, but she'd come over and she'd be telling me like the greatest, you know, Hey, here's what we could do for, for these clients and, and these rates and all this stuff. I'm like, what does all state insurance have to do with this bank? You know, and I was like, <laughs> I don't get it. I was like, why is this insurance company over here trying to collect investment opportunities for my client? So there is, I think there's a little bit of nuance around insurance and benefits unknowns from an investment side. For sure. And so how do we break, how do we break that stigma that just insurance is insurance, you know, as a business owner, what are some of those benefits maybe? Absolutely. To have programs maybe for your, can, can, can you, ha- as a business owner, can you have those in uh, plans or can you recommend those things for your staff, employees? Absolutely. How can, how can the insurance side play into their benefits? 
And and if you don't mind, I mean, let me let me take a look back at COVID. I know we all just want to block that out of our minds here, okay? But you know, one of the things to consider with an insurance policy, right? Is and even myself, I use my insurance policy as a savings account. Yeah. Right. If the my left square, I think I am. Hopefully, <laughs> if if the, yeah, if the shit hits, put the we'll put the little e. Sorry. We'll put the little if e the on shit the hits uh, the fan. Okay. I can go to mm-hmm. my insurance policy because my insurance carrier for the act of God didn't do anything, right? My bank accounts got drained because I had to pay my staff, right? I can go to my insurance policy and say, I'd like some money. Please give it to me, right? Yeah. And there's no restrictions. There's no underwriting. This is my money with my earnings and it's all tax-free. And when I repay it, I'm repaying myself, not so Bank of America yeah. or Wells Fargo or whatever, right? So I see with a interest, lot of typically, right? Within you do have to pay yourself interest, yeah. right? But at the moment, the the AFR, the applicable federal rate for interest, is like 0.2 percent. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's literally free money. I just wanted to bring it up because, like, it's almost a benefit at that point. Like, you understand, hey, cool, yeah. time of need, no yeah. problem. But I don't want to rob for my future to to no. save me today, right? right? So there is some burden or some added sure. liability yes. for borrowing Absolutely. from your future. But, but I mean, really what I see here is using that as an example, I see business owners that because of COVID are now a little bit more shaky, right? Pre-COVID, they would keep $100,000 in the savings account. I never know, rainy day, right? Now they're keeping $500,000, $600,000 because well, I just don't know and what happens and what if I can't get to my money? Take that money, put it in an insurance policy where you can get at it at any point in time. I think it's like three days to get access to your money, Right. You're now earning interest on that that is way above what you'd be earning sitting in a bank account. It's well, let's well, let's let's talk yeah. about that for a second because from my understanding, from looking at the policies that I have, and I think I have like six. I got them in like 22, 25, 27. My dad was all in my ear about it. But but there you pay, let's just say it's 200 bucks a month, but you don't have two hundred dollars right away. It's like a year and a day, but but you're absolutely correct. Right. I mean, these policies, there's a million different types of policies as well. Right. Okay. It's a year and a day before today, right. A year and a day from today is typically when I have access to my money. So you're right. You might not want to pull all of your savings into that account. Cause what if it happens on day 362 and you're like, "Ah," you know, I mean, you might, might want to have some, Um, but yeah, I mean, for a lot of people, they build this stuff up over time, you know, as you get to larger companies and I know we're not going into that realm specifically here, but once you hit gross revenue of 750,000 or more, you actually get a tax deduction for the money you put into these policies. It's, it's, so the bigger you get, the more money you save, right? Exactly. As you're saying earlier, right? The bigger you are, the more strategies apply to you. So. Seems strategic. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Bring it down to the little guy. Exactly. You. Um, you know, you. And, and so we kind of full circle back to your real estate, right? So if you now buy your real estate, well, your real estate is making money, even though it's making money off you. If you're the only person your business is paying rent, well, this has gross income and your main business has gross income. That actually counts towards the 750. It's not just the one pool. Of money. Oh, so there's don't. all sorts of these little integrated, how, how does this one work with that one work with this one? And I guess that's a part of the reason why, you know, it always makes me smile. I had a guy maybe two weeks ago. So couldn't I just go look all this up on the IRS website myself? And I said, totally can. Oh, you good want, luck. You want to have that, brother, right? Whatever makes you happy. I mean, when you're looking at these strategies and, and when you're looking at any strategy, I mean, people come to you guys as coaches all the time. You can go learn 
anything you want. Go to YouTube, go learn whatever you want. MIT. I use the you example wanna, all the time. MIT's entire curriculum is free totally online. Free. Yes. Well, let's go even to fitness. Every workout in yeah. the world's on yeah. YouTube. But, the, but your clients still go to you to get training. Information's available. It's, yeah. it's the application. It's the desire to do it. I mean, like, and You're then paying. go do the work. Exactly. You're paying for 25 years of experience to tell you, eh, don't do that one. Don't try that one. Let's go this route. It's a whole heck of a lot faster. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. Hey, going back yeah. to that child tax credit, it's 18000 plus per child. Is it per company total. or total? total? So it's how much money the child actually receives. Yeah. Okay. So, so you, okay. If you have three companies, it's not no. 18 times yeah, three. Now, a very wealthy kid. Very. You, <laughs> the cool thing about that, right? Because let, let's back up. If you're in the 40% tax bracket, right? California and New York have the highest tax rate. It's 63%. So let's just say you're in the highest. You're in California. You're at 63%. Okay. Even if you pay, you decide you're going to pay your kid 40,000 a year, 60,000 a year, $100,000 a year. They're not going to be in the 63% tax bracket. At $100,000 a year, they're going to be in the 23% tax bracket. So between you and your kids, you're still saving 40% taxes just by shifting money to the child. So you can pay more than that. You just have to understand if you pay more, there'll be taxes. But at 20% versus your 63, who cares, right? It's still wow. Wow. Let me, so there's well, a Let me play devil's advocate. No, just because, again, I don't think any of us have ever gone through something like that. How does it affect the child over, let's say they hit 18? What okay. is there, it, you know, you know, you hit 18. Now you're liable for taxes. Mm-hmm. What is your parents up through this point influence in at, at you at 18? How does that impact the child? So you get pros and you get cons, just sure. like everything else, right? Uh, the pros here are you're starting the child's credit at the age of seven which means by the time they hit 18, you can now open up a credit card. You know, you can buy a house right off the bat. You could buy them a three, a duplex or a fourplex, have them yeah. live for college in one corner and they own the property. I mean, you are really setting up the kid because they've got the bank accounts. You can do credit for them. I mean, there's all these, you know, the things that for most adults as an entrepreneur, it took you till you were 30 to have any ability to borrow from anybody for anything, right? Um, the only significant downside that I've ever seen two of them. Uh, The first one is your child may or may not be able to qualify for student loans, right? So if you want to go that student loan route, well, if they have all these assets, the government may say you don't need loans. So no, right? Um, The only other other one is more about the social aspects of a child knowing that they have a bunch of money. Because if you get an 18-year-old, you know, remember seeing that a few times. Oh yeah, I crashed my Corvette. I'm just going to buy another one. Yeah, they don't value it. Yeah, yeah. They don't value it, right? They don't value it. So generally when my parents do this with their kids, the kids have no idea. They have no idea they have a bank account. They have no idea they have an IRA or retirement account or insurance. No clue. And most of my parents, good or bad, don't really even tell the kid until they're like 40. (laughs) Oh, nice. Except for I told Alexandra when she was seven, well, yeah, she's like, she also, where's my money? She also turns around tomorrow <laughs> and she launches like three businesses or throws dad a couple perspectives. Yeah. Like, hey, you're like, hey, uh, we're going in on this one. What do you think Lemonade about this? Lemonade stand, we're good. Yeah. Money, cash Lemonade, uh, she's running a corporation. 
Like she, <laughs> but that's good training. I mean, that's the other side of this, which is yes. a whole social thing to, to discuss. But, it, you know, as a parent, you have to decide what is right for your child. Because I also see parents where one kid is really good. They're really, they watch their pennies. They pay it's attention. They take notes on the podcast from dad, you know, these kinds of things. Then you get the other kid that's like, let's party. Yeah, maybe that one doesn't know they have any money until they're 40. <laughs> you know, <it's> very, <laughs> very, I, I wanted to ask a question though, because, you know, like ultimately it's not like, it's not like you're passing your tax burden off to your kids. You know what I mean? I want to make that clear. It's, it's not like eventually your kids are going to get hit with all of the things you're just setting well, up. The kids, I mean, let, let's back up. The kids are, their seven-year-old is then looked at as a full human being. In a, yeah, exactly. Period, no. Right. So if they sell stocks, if you sell stocks in their name, they will pay tax. Sure, if you have interest absolutely. or dividends, the child will pay tax. Yeah. Right. There, there are some very detailed rules there, but we don't have time to go into all of that. Well, but they're, you know, but they're also earning because they're earning they're the money. in order to pay that, which exactly. I think all of us, but, but to your point in what you said about, setting your kid up fiscally, yeah. uh, you know, like entrepreneurs, right? Like yeah. half of the reason that we put these, or the idea of putting that child in that position is to also educate them on some of these yes. financial. Yes. You know, we see parents adding, like we see parents. I think that adding, there's, sorry to interrupt. I just think there's massive value that as the kids getting those benefits, you're teaching them those yes. lessons, maybe not seven years old, but you know, you hit, you hit your like team where money 16. becomes a thing, right? Like, your first job, how are you going out to hang out with friends? All of these things start to become the natural need. Yep. They now, one, they're set up fiscally for the things that are important for their future. Yep. But two, you're, you're also instilling things in your kids that, a lot, like to your point, either a lot of parents didn't have the opportunity to, didn't know to. Well, um, back in the day, our parents never talked about money. Money was a hush, and, and hush. It, you don't talk about that. I'm ever. speaking somewhat. I mean, my parents ran a business. Like I, I never knew the threshold of where things were, you know, highs and lows. And, yeah. and I think because they were living it, it was one of the things that to me, it was almost like a curtain. You know what I mean? Like, uh, because it, the, their emotional status was highs and lows around cash flow and in yeah. running a business that they didn't want me to feel that as a kid. Yeah. But in hindsight, if I knew the lessons or the the reasons or where money was going at certain times and how it benefited, you know, there's those are the life lesson life lessons that you, you learn those things at a young age that you will be instilled with those for life, and uh, th that's invaluable of you know to the point of what the 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 actual value of what you're investing is. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there's, you're setting kids up with fiscal planning, fiscal knowledge, fiscal knowledge. We live in a society right now where, I mean, people don't value anything. Kids well, nowadays, I mean, they throw money away like it's, you know. Water. It, oh, the new crypto, iPhone came out crypto. today. Well, crypto is a whole other whole deal. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> look, at what, look at what we're doing right here, right? We are trying to educate entrepreneurs. Right. Because their parents, maybe the parents did know the lesson, but they never passed it to the kids. And that's the, the tough bit sometimes is even even with tax strategy, with fitness strategy, how to run the business, how to modify these things. Right. Unless you are talking to somebody and asking questions, sometimes you just never find out. So I'm, I'm thrilled to be on a podcast that gets to educate. That makes me very happy. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, I have a bunch of kids on the next show. Right. <laughs> Listening. But, 
our, all of our listeners just I, I got think, a lot younger. Valuable because a lot of obviously entrepreneurs, you know, you start a business in in tandem, you know, oftentimes the family runs one in one and, you know, you grow your business for the purpose of creating that legacy, creating the foundation, building something that you're, you know, your children it might pass on. Yeah. Exactly. Right. And so the ability to understand the financial side of the business, well, along with the systems and what operations and all of that, I get, I, I mean, I've worked with so many friends. How, how many people do we all know that, that have inherited a business? Yeah. And w- I think I can't remember the numbers. It's insane. How many businesses have been inherited and crashed within two years? I can't remember it offhand, but it was some, it was, it's a majority. And if, if the financials were more of a focus or an understanding before they just got dropped on somebody's plate, be very obviously we, you know, they'd be able to sustain and and be able to pick up the torch and carry it. If, you know, in theory. So Mm -hmm. I think there's value, there's value in the lesson as much (laughs) as the, dollars and cents that, right. you know, the child. When I think that's why parents, you know, sure, I'm going to give you money, but you have no idea that you have the money, right? Let's talk about what money means and how it works. And, exactly. and anyway, we could rant clearly, yeah. Tim, we could <laughs> rant for a little while about this. It might be a whole separate podcast, but yeah. 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 Another show, another show for another day. So listen, uh, Shauna, that's a ton of great info as always. That's why we love having you on here. It's January. It's time to get with you. What's the best way for Jim or even any business that's listening here the to get a hold way of is go to our website, taxgoddess.com. Uh, you can book a call with my okay. team. We'll run the analysis. We'll take a look. And of course we can, if, if you're not happy with your CPA, we can of course look at that side as well. So anything you need us to do, everything we do is a la carte. So you don't have to switch your CPAs. Um, happy to look at anything you need. So. Sweet, sweet. Yeah. And I would highly recommend, obviously you wouldn't be on the show if I didn't uh, totally, uh, you know, endorse what you do. And we've sent you plenty of uh, gems to get the help. So um, guys, if you're, if look, if you're in a gym, you own a gym, you obviously are listening to the show. You need somebody like Sean on your team. Um, there's only 600 of them out there. We've got her here. She's very tuned in on the fitness business and the ebbs and flows of Running that, running the game. So, uh, highly recommend Shauna. If you want to get a hold of her, go to taxgoddess.com, hit her up. And, uh, Shauna, thank you so much. As always, well, it's so it was a my pleasure. pleasure. You two are just way too entertaining. And you tell that 10 year old of yours that, you know, we know she's 10 and we're ready for corporation number six whenever she is. Yes. <laughs> All right. Until next episode, guys, keep changing lives. We'll see you on the next show. Bye. All right. Thanks for listening to the Built to Grow podcast. Hopefully you got some great information from that last episode. And while you're at it, for your chance to win a $500 Amazon gift card, we are doing a state of the union survey. It will only take you three minutes. That's why we made the URL winninggym.com slash three minutes. Uh, looking to get about a thousand responses. And when we do get those responses, we're going to host a webinar and uh, show you who won the gift card. So when you get a chance, please head over to winninggym.com slash three minutes and we'll see you on the next show.